Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Jamie Arpin Ricci said, There's more hope in honest brokenness than in the pretense of false wholeness. This is episode 72 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Tiffany Fambro. At 14 years old, she would lose her grandfather, someone who was a role model and father figure her entire life. This loss would make her realize that she was now on her own, but she took the lessons she learned from him and pushed forward. She would go to college, get the great career, buy the home, and get married. On the outside, it seemed like she was living the dream, but on the inside, she was miserable and constantly questioning her decisions. The pain she was feeling would lead to weight gain and a lack of clarity in her life, but she just continued to push through. She finally found some solace in beginning to live a healthier lifestyle, but her marriage was falling apart and would eventually end in divorce. This would be the point in her life where her transformation would begin. Now she's a women's empowerment coach, helping women gain clarity, create a plan to step into their power, take action on fulfilling their purpose, and the courage to stand in their authentic truth. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Tiffany Fambro. Hey, Tiffany, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. You're one of the many people that signed up through podcastguest.com, and, and so far it's been a, a great experience with everyone else, and I'm sure this is going to be another one. So again, thank you for taking the time to come on today. Thank you, Brian. I'm super excited. Awesome. So the first question I asked to get started is what is your definition of vulnerability? Uh, I think for me, vulnerability is really sitting down with yourself. And I like to, I like to say having that come to Jesus moment (laughs) where you literally say to yourself, okay, I need help. Like I cannot keep going on like this and I need to either change something, get support or make some really hard decisions about my life. And I think that that is the to me the pinnacle of vulnerability is being able to look at yourself and seeing where you need to make changes you need to make some decisions and being willing to to just be honest with yourself no you know it's it's funny uh you know every um not every person but the majority of people say something similar about really spending that time looking within yourself spending that time on yourself and focusing on yourself and i'm really glad about that because i think it's something that maybe gets overlooked a bit now with with the whole sort of trendiness of vulnerability but i'm glad that i keep hearing it and and i'm hoping that as my listeners are listening to this they're noticing the same thing because i think that's really is where it starts is is looking at yourself looking at where you're at and then sort of saying is this where i want to be do i need to make changes and so on and so forth like you said so definitely appreciate that definition. Um, as I mentioned before we hopped on, I did read a little bit about your story. Um, but before we get into that, I, I wanted to ask, you know, if, if you can look back on your life and go back as far as you want. Uh, you know, I've had people start when they were five years old, and I've had other people talk about like high school. So whenever you feel comfortable sharing, uh, when would you say would be the first time that you felt some sort of vulnerability in your own life? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I've, I've felt vulnerability a lot of times in my life. When I, when I think about overall my entire life, I think one of the first times where I felt extremely vulnerable was when my grandfather passed away. I was 
14 years old. He helped raise me. He was pretty much like a father figure for me. I saw him every day, him and my grandmother. And he, I idolized him. He was like the pinnacle of what I thought a man was supposed to be. And so when he, he had suffered for many years with um, cancer, but before then, just to give you a little background, he yeah. had never knew how to read, had um, been in the, in the military, had, you know, moved his family from the South to the North, and had just had so many experiences that you thought would have set him back. And yet he owned his own business. He ended up, you know, getting at that time, you know, back in the fifties and sixties, which was considered a, a big deal as far as getting a job in, in a car industry, not having that level of education. And he was just an amazing human being and he gave, he gave so much to his family. So when he passed, I literally at that time felt extremely vulnerable because I felt like, who's going to protect me now? Who's going to take care of me now? Who's and, and literally, that was, I think, one of the biggest transitions of my life. I, I ended up leaving home at 15. That was a whole other story. But that was the point where something in my mind said, you, know, you are no longer protected. You have to protect yourself because he's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And that really like was the a ripple effect over probably my entire life right up until now was this idea that the man who you put on his pedestal is gone. You have no protection. You have to figure it all out now. And, and that for me was like the first time I felt extremely vulnerable. No, I can, I can like a hundred percent relate. Um, not essentially my grandfather was like, I would say a second father figure to me, like my dad, you know, all respect to him, but me and my grandfather related on a lot of levels. He was in sales most of his life. So was I, he was an entrepreneur. I've always, you know, had the idea never, you know, maybe had success in it so far, but you know, who knows, there's still lots of time, but I can relate in terms of, you know, losing that person that had that major effect on your life. I lost my grandfather a few years ago and, and it's sort of, set me on the trajectory that I'm on now. So um, I can I can definitely relate with with that sort of loss and, and how it may have affected you. How would you say that you sort of worked through it? Like what helped you work through that time in your life? Was it just moving out? Or was there other things that happened at that time that helped you sort of work through that difficult loss? I think that honestly, him laying the foundation for my strength. And, you know, when you're when you're interacting with somebody or growing up with somebody, you don't, you know, mentally know like, oh, they, they're laying a foundation for us. Yeah. But you're you're indirectly, especially as a child, you're picking up, you're mimicking their behaviors there. You're taking all that data in, but you don't get tested until that point where something, you know, cataclysmic happens and then you pull it all up. And so I think that when that happened and he died and then you eventually like uh, a couple months later, I moved out of the house when I was 15. That was the point where I was like, oh, okay, this is the moment where everything he taught me, everything I saw him do, all the strength that he had is in me, and now I have to use it. Now I have to be an adult. Now I have to work hard. Now I have to figure out the next steps of my life. And so I I just think that going through that was the point at which I realized like, oh, I am strong oh, I can do some things on my own, or I can figure this out, or I can protect myself. So yeah, I think that event <laughs> was well, the I'm, beginning. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you took that away from it. Because I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, you sort of struggle with sort of the grieving process when you lose somebody that close to you. And that just sort of pushes you down rather than pushes you up. And it seems like with yourself, it was more of the other way around. I'm sure there was grieving that happened. And I'm sure there was, you know, emotions and things that, that came up. But it sounds like, you know, you were 
were able to sort of reflect on everything that he had taught you throughout all those years and then use it to, to continue to push you forward, which I think is awesome that you sort of figured that out early on because I think it was about a year <laughs> for me where it was just, you know, being in the sorrow of everything before I started to realize, hey, there's things that I learned um, from, from, my, from my grandfather from those lessons. But kudos to you for being able to sort of use that to sort of propel you forward. And, and I'm sure, as, as like I said, as we're going to get into it, it, it's shown up over and over again throughout your life. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. No, no. Uh, I, I, like I said, it's easy to relate to this one. So <laughs> it's something I can, <laughs> I can talk to you. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to get into it now, I mean, uh, you know, definitely um, if you want to start uh, sort of get into the sort of latter part of your life, I guess it was, you know, and, and the things that you've been going through over the last, I guess, up until the last few years, because from what I read online, when I did a little bit of research on you, it seems only in the last few years is when things have sort of taken off. But before that, it wasn't sort of, uh, you weren't in that place. So uh, if you, wherever you want to start, I definitely um, want to get into it. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I like that we kind of started with my grandfather because I do think that was the pinnacle point of my life of transition. I left home when I was 15, ended up moving, um, but still had supportive family, finished high school. And I think coming from growing up around him and just my family, a strong group of people who their whole thing was get an education, get a great career, take care of yourself, support yourself. So went to college and that was kind of my mindset. It was like, go to college, get a career, take care of yourself, get married, boom, you, you are there, <laughs> whatever there was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. I, I spent like several years getting going to college. I got my graduate degree, got my um, undergraduate, then graduate degree and bought my first house at like 26 and, you know, met my the man that I ended up marrying not too long after. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm checking a list. <laughs> I'm doing all the things I was taught to do. And somewhere in there, even though I wasn't completely happy, it was like my mindset was just like, push forward no matter what. I'm an Aries, so I'm a ram. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that I literally was a ram. Just like no matter what you feel, no matter what, what happens, just keep moving forward on the plan. You know, you, you have a plan, keep going with it. And I worked that plan. And it was so funny when I look back at my life, I did everything I said I was going to do. Like even though it may be miserable, I said I was going to do it. And, I did. <laughs> and so fast forward, uh, I'm living in Atlanta where I wanted to live with my spouse that I wanted to have. Um, we're in our home that we wanted to, to, to live. So I'm living this life. I have this career. I was a consultant um, in public health. And on the outside, it looked like a fabulous life. <laughs> but on the inside, it was horrible. It was like constant travel in my career. I was so burnt out. I was unhealthy because I'm just, just eating through my emotions. Um, my marriage is like going down a drain because my, my, it, it was just horrible. <laughs> I can't even get into to how awful it was. Um, and I just got to that point where I was like, every single day, I'm so unhappy. I'm like so miserable. Like I'm in my early 30s. I, I didn't have kids. I'm like, everybody else, it looks like they're living the life of their dreams. And I am not. And so I finally hit that brick wall where it started off where I kind of got into fitness just to feel better, just to like get myself kind of back on track. And this is my early 30s. Really got into that and got so into it. I started running. I started joining running groups. Um, decided I wanted to get into weightlifting and then I became a figure competitor 
And so that really became like my, my medicine, like fitness became my thing that helped me to at least <laughs> feel better than I was. I was still married. I was still in my full-time career, but it kind of helped. It was my coping mechanism mm-hmm. when I look back at the time. Now my marriage was getting worse. Um, I was just, my career was just plateauing because I literally had no drive. I was just like going to work every day, just putting in hours <laughs> and getting by. And so I think what finally, you know, but the fitness thing was going on. I was like, I think I want to do a side business. So I kind of started a side business with fitness, something small, started group training and personal training. And as that was coasting along, um, my marriage just took a a deep dive. And it was weird because at the time, nothing had really changed. It wasn't like he and I were in this huge argument. It was like one day he just had this massive meltdown and like, like went off on me in the kitchen through our table across the kitchen, our, our huge table across the kitchen. It was like going off on me over something. It was really small. It was just so bizarre because it just came out of nowhere. And I had gotten to a point in my marriage where I learned how to keep the peace, like this pseudo fake peace where don't speak up, don't get too, you know, don't say anything that's going to piss him off, whatever, whatever. And he just lost it. Not that must, that was the point where I had never seen him get that angry. And it was the first time where I was really afraid of him. And I, I literally didn't know what to do. Like I was in, in this space where I was like, I've, I've been that person that have had the answers that no matter how bad things got, I'm like, okay, I can figure this out. I can get through this. But in that moment where he got violent, I was like, I've never, (laughs) I don't know what to do. And so literally the next day he was like back to normal, like back to our normal lives. And I was like, uh-uh. I yeah, like, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, I said, I can't live in this house with you anymore if you don't get psychological help. Um, to make a long story short, he, we both went to therapy, come to find out he had intermittent explosive personality disorder, which made a lot of sense when I look back at the 10, almost 10 years we had been together. And I was like, <clears throat> talking to my therapist, because we were in separate therapists. It was a husband mm-hmm. and wife therapy, you know, um, thing. He was going to the husband. I was going to the wife. And she was like, look, do you want to stay with him or not? She's like, because depending on whether you want to stay with him is a different type of therapy than if you want yeah. to leave. And I was like, that was the first time I allowed myself, and I talk about being vulnerable <laughs> to myself, that I allowed myself to say out loud, like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot, I, no, I don't want to be married to him anymore. And that was, that was the beginning of, of transition. And so basically what happened, we ended up getting a divorce. Um, within months, we ended up selling the house that we were living in. Within months, I ended up, well, I'd say a year later, not within months, I ended up um, getting a business coach to start really dig deep into my business. Months later, I ended up getting uh, laid off my full-time job. Months later, I took a deep dive into that business and kept going with it, kept going with it. And it started to, and it was really well, the fitness business. But from that experience, literally in a month, decided I was going to pivot into a women's uh, life coaching business, which is what I do now. 
Um, and that's where it's, and so literally I'd say within the last four to five years, I've gone through the most transition <laughs> from divorce to, to different businesses, to being laid off my corporate career, to moving to another state. I'm in another state now. I'm no longer in Georgia. So it, yeah, it's been a whirlwind, but it, it, it has led me to one of the best experiences I can even imagine having in life. Yeah, that that sort of that whole story, and especially towards the end, there really brings to to mind that saying, "When it rains, it pours." <laughs> it sounds like that's <laughs> sort of what happened to you. It, it didn't just like come down and trickles. It was just like, "Here, let's throw everything at you, and let's see how strong you really are." You know, we talked about sort of that foundation that your grandfather built for you. It sounds like it was quite tested at this point in your life. Um, the one thing I want to get back to, just because I want to touch on it a bit more, because I think it's something that will be relatable to pretty much anybody listening uh, to this episode, is when you said, you know, you you know, you went to college, you graduated, you got the career, you got the house, you got married, and you're like looking around at everybody else, and they're they're so happy, but you're not. And and I think the reason I want to bring that up is because I think a lot of us, unfortunately, we define our happiness based on other people's. Like we see what, what, what we think other people are happy with, you know, whether it's because we see it on social media, whether we see, you know, even if we know them personally, uh, sometimes a lot of what you see when you're with that person is not 100% the truth. There's things going on that we're totally unaware of. But I just, I just wanted to touch on that because I think a lot of people, you know, they, they go sort of through that checklist, like you mentioned, and then, then it's like, wait, this isn't really what's making me happy. What's going on? Because society told me, you know, this is, you know, this is it. This is like the the dream, you know, you go to school, get a job, get married, buy a house, whatever, have kids. It's like, that's supposed to be, you know, the, 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 that's just supposed to be life. Like that's supposed to give you the life that, you know, is going to make you happy until, you know, till you know, the end of it or whatever. So I just wanted to touch on that a bit more. Um, yeah. If you don't mind. I absolutely agree. And I think, you know, for so many women, especially, I say women, because that, that is my focus, that that is what you're told. You're like, look, these are the magic remedies that are going to make you happy. Here's the list. Hit everyone, you know, forget about your dreams and your desires and, you know, stepping off the path. No, this is it. And go for it and do these things and, you know, live in this little box. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even think it, when you're taught those things, the word happiness doesn't even come up. It's just like, this is what you do. This is life. This is how we've how it's always been. And you just do this thing and you get a little bit better than your parents, but not that much more better. <laughs> but the, the concept of happiness, I don't think is ever really brought up. It's, it's not until you kind of get there and you are, are able to think through it and you're like, I've done stuff. I got things, but I am so unfulfilled. Like, where did I go wrong? <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, that is where that light bulb moment and realization comes. And I've heard other people with similar stories, men and women who are like, you know, I became a doctor and it was great, or at least I thought it was supposed to be. And I start making money and then I realize how miserable I was, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not even about the money because there's nothing wrong with having money, but it's about the passion of your life. Like what it what fills you what brings yeah. you joy what what sets your soul on fire and that can be different at different we start off with getting the things we start off with the actual physical tangible value and we 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 don't start off with that feeling place like what makes you feel good and if you start to work on the things that make you feel good then 
eventually you'll get the tangible necessities of life as, as far as the money and, you know, the luxuries or whatever it is you, you value physically. So I think sometimes we have it backwards in Western society in that you go after the things first and they're yeah. going to bring you joy. And it's like, eh, not so much. No, not at all. No, I'm, I'm over here grinning because I know like when you, especially when you said about the whole part of like, you get all the things and then you're still feeling unfulfilled. I was really happy when I heard that word because I think fulfillment is something that we, we completely sort of ignore and forget about. We just think like, like you said, that you got to get the house and you got to get the things and then, you know, the happiness comes and we don't realize that our happiness really isn't tied to those things you know for me it's it's you know sort of that thought of uh the fact that like when you're a kid you could do anything you could build blocks you could draw you could do whatever and it's like you've got all this joy in you and you're like everything's exciting and then you could become an adult and you're like you forget about that part of your life you forget about excitement you forget about joy you're just like i gotta go to work i gotta pay the bills i gotta <laughs> da, 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 da. and that part of your your sort of experience just becomes ignored you just think that it's not important there's no time for like hobbies there's no time for joy and then you get to a point where you're like wait a second, is, is this it? Like, is this what I'm supposed to do for the next 30 years and then, you know, retire and then, then I get to go back to joy? Like, does that make sense? I, I don't know. Like, that's sort of where, where it came to me a few years ago was like, is, is, this, is this it? Like, am I just supposed to keep going down this career path? And, and that's, you know, that's what it's going to be until I'm able to retire. Like, I, again, I don't know if you relate or, or not, but I, I just sort of, that's what I took away from what you said there is that like, you're just sort of in this constant sort of, it's almost like a hamster wheel, I would say. Like you're just constantly going through the same motion over and over again uh, until you realize it's not really getting you anywhere. Absolutely, that that's exactly it. And even in relationships, I, I had gotten to the point with my spouse, and people were telling me, like, "You're so lucky to have him. Like, he's so amazing." And he was in his own right. He was very gifted, and you know, on the outside, people looking in, they're looking at him and he's handsome and he's this and he's that, and he's written two books and he's, he's this outgoing personality. And, you know, but it was like totally different <laughs> being married. Yeah. And so even in my mind, in my relationship, I was telling myself like, this is as good as it gets and you need to be thankful to have him. You'll never, you'll never get better than him. And like in my mind, I literally would, t when, when times got tough and I was miserable in the marriage, I would say, well, you know, you need to be thankful, Tiff, because, you know, other women don't have guys like, look at all the people who, who are single or look at all the women who, who like him or love him. You should be thankful. And so even in different aspects of our life, we, we settle and we tell ourselves based on how we were raised or based on, you know, our upbringing or, or maybe religion or what we see in society that this level that you're at, you've done well. This is as good as it gets. And even though you want more, you know, you might as well, you might as well throw, toss that in, in the back of your mind because it's never going to happen. That's TV. That's, you know, that's yeah. lifestyles of the rich and famous. You're a real person and this, this is real life. So, you know, so, so I think that on so many levels, sometimes you settle and yeah, you say, this is pretty much how it's going to be. So just get used to it. Yeah. You get comfortable is the way that I look at yeah. it. You know, there's a lot of talk about the comfort zone. It's a real thing. It's a very real thing. You get so comfortable that you're just like any like little bit outside of that. You're like, uh, you know, it, it looks interesting. It looks like it might, 
you know, be cool. Like maybe I should try it out. But then you're like, mm, but it's, it feels too, too risky. Like, you know, you're just, you get so afraid of taking any risk because what you have right now just feels good enough that you're like, I can survive with this. Again, I relate, uh, you know, not maybe a hundred percent in all the ways that sort of what you've experienced, but I relate in terms of that feeling of like, just, you know, where you're, you're kind of like, everybody thinks it's great. Everybody thinks, you know, life's great. Everybody sort of from the outside is thinking, you know, you have a great life, but in, inside you're like itching for more. Right. Um, sorry, go ahead. Absolutely agree. Uh, the one thing I, so, you know, that I wanted to sort of get into is again, um, you, you talked about sort of having this great career, traveling a lot, burnout. This is another thing that I think is relatable to a lot of people. And when I was looking at your bio online, it seemed like the burnout of work is what caused maybe some, not necessarily health issues, but it, it caused you to maybe not focus so much on your health. You know, if you don't mind sort of getting into that a little bit more as well, and just sort of, because again, I, I think there's probably a lot of people out there listening that might be like, yeah, you know what, like my career is demanding, I feel tired, I feel burnt out, but they're not necessarily tying one to the other. And so if you just don't mind getting into your experience, I wouldn't yeah. mind touching on that too. Absolutely. When, when I first um, was in graduate school, and I remember saying to myself, like, I want a career where I can just travel all the time, and I can be a road warrior and, you know, corporate. And so, and, and again, self affirmations, that's exactly what I got. I got what I spoke into the universe. And um, had this career where I was literally, <laughs> it got to the point, I was gone on the road traveling Monday through Friday, I would come home on Friday. And this is when I was living with my spouse and, and when we got married. And I would um, wash my clothes on Saturday and repack <laughs> and pretty much by Tuesday or Wednesday, I'd be back at, a, at an airport somewhere. And um, when you're young and in your, I was in my late 20s, eventually early 30s, that was really cool the first couple of months. And then <laughs> after the first couple of years, I was like, what in the world have I done? And so I never, I had always struggled, always struggled with my weight. So my weight was always up and down. But having to be on the road so much there was never any consistency with healthy eating, exercise, none of that. And I wasn't intentional about it. It was like, you know, for those couple months that I would be home and not having to constantly be traveling, I was like, okay, I'm going to get on this new diet regimen or whatever, and I lose a couple pounds. And then as soon as I get back on that travel schedule, I gain it all back because the stress of, because I wasn't just traveling, I was working. You know, I was working yeah. from a hotel or I was, I was trainings or, or I was um, teaching or I was hiring and managing in different states across the country. And so I was literally just eating whatever we ordered, you know, whether that was pizza or burgers or, you know, business lunches. And so there was, again, no consistency. And I wasn't intentional about being healthy because you can be healthy on the road. I just wasn't doing it. Yeah, yeah. And it was just the constant stress. And of course, having that spouse at home who's calling you and, and, going off about whatever's going on at home. So it was all the stressors and not really taking the opportunity to say, how is this affecting my health? And literally I was gained, I gained so much weight by the end of it. I was like 40 pounds of weight. I mean, you, you have read my bio on my website, but I was really, really heavy. And there came a point where the traveling kind of subsided a little bit as far as my career, but the stress from my spouse was still there. So stress 
I was literally eating my way every day <laughs> through my emotions. And the, the, I don't, I don't drink alcohol, but the food was my medicine. Food made me feel good. Food comfort me. And it took me a long time to make that connection between the food and my emotions. But when I look back at my entire life, even from childhood, food was my therapy. Food was the thing that I reached for when times got tough. And that's why I struggled so much that it wasn't until, and, and again, I was still married, that I hit a, a point in my marriage where I was so miserable that I said, what can I do that can quickly give me some you know, relief? And <clears throat> having struggled with my weight and my health all my life, something said, well, why don't you just try to get physically healthy? At least if you looked better and you were happy with the way that you look, that's one thing that can give you some type of relief. And so that is the reason why I started kind of on the health path first. That was like the first transition for myself. So I started to research healthy eating, eating on the road, and literally sitting down on a computer like, okay, how do, how do people eat healthy when they're traveling? You know, how do you, and I started um, looking at how bodybuilders eat, like how do you eat so much food and not gain weight? I think <laughs> I literally Googled that. And that's kind of how I started getting into weightlifting as well. Eating, you know, just, just overall a whole healthy, nutritious meal, protein and vegetables and fruit. And so I started to slowly incorporate that into my life. And then when I got into actual weightlifting and I got a trainer and a coach, learning from them, like, okay, you're building muscle. So this is how you need to eat. You need to have a certain amount of protein and you need to have a certain amount of carbs. And, and so kind of when I started down that road, not only was it, it a distraction from marriage, it helped me to shift my mindset and get focused on something that was actually making me feel good. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time in my life that I intentionally made a decision that number one, I wanted to feel good physically, mentally, and spiritually. But number two, I learned how to do it. Like I felt powerful just in that and like, okay, I'm having a bad day after work, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. I'm going to make sure that I'm getting in my vegetables and my fruit because that is the one thing that number one, I have control over and that makes me feel good and makes me feel like I have some control in my life. Like that, that was the first step. And, and it completely changed my life from there. No, the one thing that I, I want to pull out of that for sure, and I mean, there's a lot, but the one thing I want to pull out of it is that I think what what helped you is that you sort of took a psychological approach to it at first. You didn't sort of get into it to say like, I want to look like this person in a magazine or I want to look like that person on TV or whatever the case might be. It wasn't jealousy of somebody else. It was you saying to yourself, I need to find something to make myself happy. And what's going to do that for me is getting healthy. And then you weren't one of the, like, I mean, I've done it. I'm sure a lot of people have done it where it's like, okay, let's dive in 110% and, you know, (laughs) fail in a week because I went too hard too quick. Like you sort of took small steps. And that's another thing that I've heard from other people, whether it's, you know, uh, not necessarily with weight loss, but in other subjects of their life is it's really about the small steps. Too many of us, I think we look 10 steps ahead and then we get discouraged when we hit step two and we're like, 
I got eight more to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> how am I gonna get there? Right. Whereas like it sounds like with you, and even when you know reading your bio, you sort of said in your bio, like you started with going for a walk, then it was from walking to jogging, then from jogging to running. And even with the food, you said, you know, you looked into healthy eating, how healthy eating on the road, like you just took everything as a gradual step. You didn't just try and like change your life one thousand percent right away and then like I said, fail in, in a month and be discouraged and just go back to where you were. So um I'm I'm glad that you were able to figure that out. And I just think it's an important sort of lesson to take away if somebody else out there is struggling with their weight or, or really like I said anything because again I think that it's important to recognize you know why am I doing this and then how do I start making it better and what steps do I need to take from step one to two to three like I said rather than looking at step 10 and then getting discouraged when you get halfway there <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is when I when I think back to that moment in my life the because I was going to the gym quite a lot and I was like in gym world, I started to become more in gym world. I started to meet people that kind of had similar stories or like, yeah, I just got fed up with myself. And I started talking to those types of people more and that their mindset was different. Mm -hmm. And so it exposed me to different types of people and those people, because they were on the same trajectory they were listening to like motivational stuff and, you know, some of the, the trainers that were had po other podcasts talking about motivation and, you know, building yourself up. And so I started to listen to those types of things. I, I had never done any type of true self-development. I mean, I had read a couple books here and there, mm -hmm. but I definitely was not into, you know, the Tony Robbins and the Les Browns. I, I was, I didn't know anything about any of that. But I started to listen to that more because the people, the crowd had changed and the people that I was now hanging around, they listened to that. And so it got me interested. And so that was yet another transition. Not only was my body physically changing, but it was like I was starting to put myself around people who had a different mindset. And so now I started to, to think differently and I started to listen to different things that were just kind of, kind of motivating me and inspiring me to look at my life in a different way. No, like I hear the, the saying, you know, that you're the, the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I think it's hundred percent the truth and whether it's five or 10 or whatever, I think that it definitely makes a difference in who you surround yourself with because I, I it just, if you're, if you're spending enough time with somebody, if they're one way, you're definitely, it's going to rub off on you. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it, you can see it even if you go back to like school and who you hung around with in school and what that might've led to, whether it was, you know, maybe it being a, you know, sort of a problem child or maybe not like it's, all in who you you sort of surround yourself with so I, I definitely agree with that getting into you know when you mentioned sort of you know the, towards the end of the the story that you told there a, a few minutes back and you're you're getting into the part about your marriage and sort of that that day that you know you just saw your husband sort of snap and it was like what the heck and like what happened and you know was I'm trying to figure out how to like so you, you had you had you seen things like that before or was this just like like it, maybe it was like smaller examples or something like that like because to me it just sort of it seems like you know okay so you've you like we've touched on you know your career and then going into health and everything like that but then your marriage it seems like you said you know you weren't as happy with your marriage and stuff like that but then like this moment happened that sort of yeah that was it for you like, so if you don't mind getting into it, like, sort of how, how did like, how did that go? Cause again, it just seemed to me like it was like, you know, this happened and then that was it, but there must have been more <laughs> to it, I assume. 
You know, when I look back, Brian, we never should have gotten married. There were so many red flags and I was with him for almost 10 years. So we had been married for six years. We had been living together for three years, but there was so many red flags when I look back when I first met him and, and I even broke up with him at one point we were dating where I was like, I'm done with this. And then of course he begged to come back <laughs> like all men, <laughs> like quite a few men in those situations yeah, yeah. do. <laughs> um, but you know, one thing I tell my clients is like, the universe will send you red flags. They will send you, uh, it will send you different messages and you can choose to see it or you can choose to ignore it. And most of that time I was with him, I chose to ignore it. I knew like a year after we got married that this was not the person that I should have married. But because again, that mindset of just push, 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 go, 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 make it work no matter what, do whatever you have to, no matter how hard you have to struggle, no matter how hard you have to fight, you are going to make this work. That is the type of mentality I had. And so little things throughout the marriage that I saw, you know, he couldn't keep a job and it wasn't that he couldn't keep a job. It was like, he didn't like authority. So every time you know, a, a boss would tell him like, you need to do this. I quit. <laughs> he was the complete opposite of me. And now that I'm, I'm in this work that I do now, the practice that I do now, I can easily see the, the polar kind of opposites, you know, whereas I was the work hard, you know, push, organize, analytical mind. He was more of the free spirit, you know, take risks, do what you want to do. And so when I look back now, I'm like, we had a karmic, what's called a karmic relationship, where I had to have that experience with him in order to pull out of me some of the things that need to be pulled out of me, which was this entrepreneurship mentality, this take risk mentality, this, you know, try new things mentality. That's really what he was. He was very but he was an extreme version of that. <laughs> and I was the extreme version of safe, yeah. you know, pay your bills on time, take care of your responsibilities, you know, uh, be mindful of others, you know, don't hurt people's feelings, that type of thing. He was the complete opposite. So when I look back, we had to have that type of relationship because by the end of it, he even verbalized to me, like, you helped me change. Like you helped me see like, okay, I need to be more organized. I need to be more focused. I need to have discipline. But in the beginning, we were two extremes and we were trying to mesh our lives. And the truth was you can, you can have the lesson without marrying the chaos. <laughs> you can have, you can learn the lesson you need to learn without marrying it. Right. But I didn't understand that concept at the time. And so when I got married to him, I saw this person who had a lot of potential, who was very gifted. And I, in my mind, I thought if I could just support him and be there for him in ways that he's never had before, he's going to be this amazing person. He's going to be this amazing man. He's a great speaker. He's a great motivator. He's a great writer. He's, he has all these ideas of entrepreneurship. And I know if he just gets the support that he needs, it's all going to happen. And so I didn't want to be in the spotlight. I didn't want those things. So when he told me his vision, I was like, I'm going to support you. I'm going to be there for you. And I'm going to be in the background. I'm going to be the one that keeps the home running and gives us that solid foundation and you're going to be the guy who's in the spotlight and so I did that thinking that he was going to 
to to do his end of the bargain yeah. and I was gonna do mine. And that's not what happened. So yes, I there was so many red flags. He wasn't he was inconsistent. He had written two books, he didn't market the books. I mean in financial issues. It was it was so much and I literally there got to a point in our marriage where I literally said to myself, I have married a child and I am a mommy and I have to take care of him because every single day it was something different that he needed. And it got to a point, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you shouldn't support your spouse, but it got to the point where I was literally his everything. Yeah. And I had to pull my so much out of myself to make sure it's kind of like it was definitely a codependent relationship, but it's kind of like if you ever have lived with an addict or someone who is addicted to alcohol or drugs and you're literally picking them up off the floor every day, you're trying to get them ready for work, trying to just make them a functional adult. That's what I was doing. And it got to the point where I, I literally was just like going to work, well, going to the gym, going to work trying to stay at work as late as I possibly could, then going back to the gym, then getting home at nine o'clock. So I didn't have to go home to all the issues. And I remember him even saying like, you're never home. And I'm like, the bills are getting paid. I'm making sure that you're getting taken care of. If you have any problems, you know, you can call me. What else do you want? I literally yeah. in many ways took on what some people would say was the masculine role in the relationship where I'm like taking care of you, be happy, do your thing. I can't cause I don't have the strength of the energy anymore. So yes, there were a lot of red flags uh, leading up to the point. And I think in, in his, honestly in his favor, cause I, I don't hate him and I'm not bitter. I think that he had just got so frustrated with the situation the way it was and knowing that the marriage was not where it needed to be, that his tantrum, the, the point that he mm. threw the table was really him almost like screaming for attention, screaming for my attention, because we were at that point where I had literally, I had really stepped out of the marriage, even though I was coming home every day it was so bad that I had figured out how to be there and not be there. Yeah, yeah. And I think for him, it was like, see me. Like that whole tantrum was him saying, see me, you're going to see me. Yeah. You're going to be in this marriage. <laughs> I don't care. You know, if I have to make you feel unsafe, you're going to see me. And I think it just hit a wall. And I think a lot of, a lot of marriages experience that where you have two people that are not on the same wavelength and that they've, they've put up such a barrier between each other where one person or both will literally have a, have a meltdown just to be seen and just to be heard. And I think for him, that was it. That was the point where he was like, I, I need you to see me and you don't anymore. It sounds to me like as you're getting towards the end there, physically you were there, but mentally you, you had checked out quite some time ago. Um, and, and I can understand how that might even be a struggle for yourself. Not a, like not even just him and, and what happened, but just for yourself, I can understand how tiring that might've been. If you're just like you said, you're physically you're showing up every day, but mentally you're, you're, you're sort of saying to yourself, like, I need to move on. I need to get out, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, and, and I do wonder, you know, you talked about sort of all these red flags and how you sort of ignored them was part of that, I guess, ignoring it. Was it, was it because you were, I don't know if worried is the right word, but like you had that sort of thing inside of you where, you know, you, you wanted to make sure the boxes were checked off and that society was looking at you the right way. Was that what caused, would you say that's like reflecting back on it? Is that might've what caused some of the ignoring uh, of the, the red flags that you were seeing? 
Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, I come, I'm the youngest of four girls. And so all of my siblings are very high achievers. And, you know, so in my family, it was like, you work hard, you, you create this, this life and you have this image and this is what you need to work up to. Now, don't get me wrong. My family loves me very much. And, you know, it's not that you can't make mistakes, but in my mind, I had created this belief system based on how I was raised that, yes, you have a standard to uphold in this family. This is how this is supposed to look. And if it doesn't, you're a failure. And so for me, I carried that with me. And I think it's it, it did have a lot to do with, again, back to my grandfather, this belief of you work hard, you create a life for yourself. And there are there is no such thing as failure, yet there is no such thing as as um you as can't, you can't do it or you can't make it work. So I had created this almost like image of myself, of him inside of me. Like no matter how hard it gets, you just push through, you stay strong, you persevere, (laughs) no matter how bad it gets, you make it work. And that was the voice inside my head, even though that was not real. There was nobody outside of me telling me that. And there was nobody saying, you have to live this life. It was it was inside of me. I had built that up over years and years. And so, yeah, it was kind of like, I don't want to disappoint my family. I don't want to, dis- uh, you know, tear down the image that other people have of me. I have friends that look up to me that think I'm living this wonderful life. I don't want them to know what's going on inside my marriage. I was ashamed and I was a very private person at that time. And I was definitely not vulnerable. (laughs) I was definitely not. And I carried a lot of shame. I carried a lot of guilt. Um, When I finally, when I finally got divorced, I ended up being in psychotherapy for three years with, with one of the best therapists I've ever met. And what came up for me, ironically, was not even about my husband, it was about my childhood. And it was about this belief that I had created that because I was the youngest child, you know, I was a girl child, that I had to work 10 times as hard as anybody else to prove myself, to prove my worth, to prove that I was enough, to prove that I was smart enough, to prove that I could do all these things. And so, and, and then my biological father was not in my life. And I carried that with me, that, that pain of feeling like, if, you know, I wasn't good enough for my biological father, that he left, and I, you know, that abandoned. So I'd struggle with abandonment issues, which was what, how I ended up in this marriage to this man who the one thing that he, he gave me was this feeling of completeness. Like he, he was the thing, even though he had all these issues, him telling me, like, I love you or you matter to me. That was the thing that made me marry him. Even though he had all these other issues, even though there were all the red flags, because he filled that one void that had been triggered from the abandonment of my biological father, that was the thing that made me stay with him, that made me endure, because that was the thing that he filled. So again, that that whole experience, when I, when I look back and everything I went through, it was really a learning experience. It was really my healing journey. And I I think when you're going through it, it feels like, it feels like hell. But when you're able to step out of it and you're able to reflect and you're like, dang, I had to go through all that just to figure out that I had abandonment issues, that I didn't feel worthy, that I didn't feel like I was enough, that I was so worried about criticism and what other people think, thought of me, that 
I allowed myself to be in some of the worst pain and some of the most dramatic events just in order to prove something that wasn't even real. Yeah, no, like I, I, I can relate on some levels in terms of like, you know, growing up, I was always told if I applied myself more and if I just put in more effort that, you know, I could do better and stuff like that. And that's stuff that I've still struggled with up into today because it's, it's interesting to me. The thing I was thinking about while you were saying all that and is that, you know, you talked a few minutes ago about how hanging out with these people at the gym and stuff like that shifted your mindset and how it, it sort of gave you this new mindset. But then on the other end where you're talking about now, your mind was the thing that was stopping you and was holding you back even though you weren't aware of it and so it's just interesting to me that you know our minds can play those kind of tricks on us like it's it's incredible to me that they can be this thing that can help you so much and and bring you so far and at the same time they can be this thing that can hold you down forever and ever and ever because you know you just listen to whatever it's it's telling you there's a book that i read uh, you know a while back called uh, the the untethered soul and um basically you know talking uh, part of the book there's uh, there's literally i think it's like a sentence where he says if you were to have the person in your head sitting next to you saying all the things that your 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 mind saying to you you'd think they were crazy and i remember reading that sentence and just laughing because i'm like it's so true yet we all do it we all sort of listen to those thoughts that are going on and we're like you know paying attention to them that we, with the negative self-talk we let it slow us down or stop us yet there's really nobody there and if they were, you'd be like, shut up because you're nuts. <laughs> I know better, but I'm not going to stop listening. Right? It's just, it's interesting to me, like I said, because you're saying right there, like, you know, you three years of, of sort of going to a therapist and everything like that to work through all these things that were, were sort of in your head that you were unaware of. And yet, you know, like you said it a few minutes ago, the, the mindset that you were getting from other people. So again, it's just something that I wanted to bring up because I think it's incredible how sort of our brains, it's one reason I say things, you know, I've said it on past episodes where what I realized over the last few years is we also have to work uh, or, or focus on sort of where our heart's at. Because I think that this is sort of where, you know, when you talked about sort of those gut feelings early on in, in meeting your husband and the red flags and stuff like that, like that was probably your heart or your gut sort of telling you something, but then your head's telling you something else. And we tend to listen to that more. Yes. Um, and, but if you can get them sort of in, in balance, I think that's where you get to where you're at now. And again, I don't know whether you agree or not, but that's just sort of where I've, I've sort of felt over the last few years is that when my heart's in the right place, it helps my head sort of stay a little bit clearer too. So um, just something I sort of brought, uh, wanted to reflect on from that. Yes, I, I agree. Now, if, if you can, so if you can look back at everything that we've talked about, you know, everything from, you know, moving out at a young age to getting the career to, you know, the, the marriage falling apart to, you know, everything that you've gone through in the last few years, like, how would you say everything that happened to you um, over your lifetime has helped you get to where you're at right now? Well, like I just said, going through that marriage forced me to really go into deep introspection and made me realize like, this is not about your husband. This is not about your father. This is about you. And like you just said, making that connection, that heart head connection, it's like, yeah, you got the brain and you've got the drive. I mean, I was in fitness and all that motivation helped me to be a figure competitor and, and went on stage. But that was still using that same mindset of push, 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 go, 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 win, win, win. But what I had to realize was like, if you dig deep into your heart, you, you know the answer. You know what makes you feel good, what brings you joy. Now let's bring that mindset to that space, that push mindset to that space of intuition and that knowingness and that calmness and having that, that balance of, of what people call the yin and the yang, right? And so... Going through everything that I went through in life, 
has brought me to that space. And when I finally got divorced and I was in my fitness business, and even when I got laid off my career, I tell people getting laid off was like the best experience of my life. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can <laughs> relate. I can relate. <laughs> like, thank you. Um, because it, it pushed me even further into my calling. And I knew my calling was about helping women specifically you know, take the reins and be happy with themselves. Now, at the time, I thought it was was physically, but it didn't take me long as I talked to more women and I heard pretty much my story and their story was that it may start off with the physical health, like feeling better about yourself physically, but just like I went through that transition where it started to feel, you start to talk of, think through feeling better mentally. And then you go to another stage where now you want to feel better in your heart, your soul. And that pivoted me into um, women's empowerment coaching. But I had to go through all of those stages, (laughs) literally, in order to get to where I am now, where I'm like, oh, I get it now. Fitness was just the vehicle to take me to this space, to take me on this journey. And this journey is really empowerment of the soul. This journey is really about balance of the heart and the mind. This journey is really about asking myself and what I tell my clients, what do you deeply desire? And allowing yourself to hear the answer and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and real and authentic with yourself and understanding like you don't owe the world anything. You have to, you have to owe yourself first. You have to pay yourself up first. You have to fill your cup up first. And only then, and only then will you have anything to give to the world. But I had to go through that, that whole 40 years of my life. I'm 40 years old. I had to go through all those things just to get that, what, what I see now as a simple, (laughs) a simple concept. And so now I live from that space. I live from the heart space. And literally I have days where I'm like, how does this make me feel today? Yeah. Does this make me feel happy? Does drinking this coffee make me feel joy? Does driving this car make me feel joy? Does being on this podcast make me feel joy? Like everything comes from my joy now. And I ask myself those types of questions. And if the answer is no or a little bit, then I don't do it. Or I, or I, yeah. or I delegate it to someone else. Because I've realized my joy is priceless. It is the most important thing to me. It is, it is my everything. And that's now how I was able to build a business where I teach the women that come to me that ironically have the exact same stories that I I described as my life that come to me now and teach them that lesson and help them get on this path that I'm on now. And um, it has been one of the most fulfilling and joyful experiences of my life. And it doesn't mean that every day is perfect and you don't have challenges, but it's like I can get through these challenges because they're really just again, lessons that are making me a better coach and a better career woman and a better friend and a better romantic partner. No, it's it, it, the reason I sort of, uh, you know, people won't see the video, but the reason I threw my head back almost laughing there, you said about <laughs> filling your cup is because, you know, I, th- that came, uh, th- that sort of expression came to me from a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma, but I've heard it over and over again from other people. But when we were talking about sort of how you're giving so much to your relationship a few minutes ago, all I could think about in my head was like, you were basically emptying your cup to other people all the time and you weren't worried about filling it up for yourself. So when you said that, 
it was just like you know sort of uh i guess uh bells going off or whatever you, you want to say it because i was just like that's what i was thinking and then it's funny that sort of you brought it up and that you realized that you know it really is about working on you first you can't expect to help other people if you haven't worked on yourself i've realized that i'm sure a lot of people other people have realized that and if they haven't you know i'm glad that i'm hearing it from you and other guests as well as like th that work on you is is the most important stuff because you can't do anything for anybody unless you're where you need to be um so yeah just yeah that's why i sort of threw my head back because i was just like yes <laughs> <laughs> like i'm glad you said that um you know if you can look at sort of where you're at right now uh, and we're getting close to the end here. I got a couple more questions. I want to respect your time. But if you can look at where you're at right now, would you say that you found success and fulfillment in your life or that you're still on a journey towards that? Oh, definitely. <laughs> success for me was the moment that I had that realization that I just described. It was the moment where I said, you know what? I can be me. I don't have to prove anything. I'm enough and I'm worthy and I love myself. Like, like saying, like, I love myself and really believing it was success. That's when I knew my entire life had changed because for so many years, I didn't, I didn't feel that way at all. I was so angry with myself. I carried so much guilt and so much shame and so much pain. And it was like the moment I could look at myself physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally and say, I'm enough. I'm proud of myself. I love myself. And I am the there that I wanted to get to is here. I'm, I'm here in the present moment of where I wanted to be all my life. I didn't know it, but it was the feeling. It was the feeling of being fulfilled. It was the feeling of knowing that the connection that I have to spirit, whatever you call it, God, universe, source of all creation is inside of me. It's not outside of me. It's inside of me and I'm fulfilled. And I'm enough. Yeah. That, that, that is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you define success that way. Cause I, you know, I, I think a lot of people, as we talked about early on in the episode, it, you know, the success is defined by the house and the car and the, this and the, that and the things. Right. And I'm glad that you found your definition for success in the fact that you as a person, you mentally, mentally, physically, however you want to look at it, you were success. Like not that it took some outside thing, you know, a friend of mine, and I've said it before, I'll keep saying it because I love his expression, but a friend of mine has this expression that happiness equals success, not the other way around. Because I think a lot of us feel like, you know, when you get to that point of success, that's when you're going to finally be happy. When chances are, and I, I've listened to, you know, hundreds of podcasts where people say, you know, like, yeah, I got the million dollars and I got the car <laughs> and I got this and I got that. And then I was like, I don't feel any different. And what else is out there? And then it's like, that takes you on a whole new struggle. So I'm just glad that, you know, your success is defined by the fact that, you know, you love yourself, you're happy with yourself, you're enough, and, and you can use that sort of push forward with anything else that that sort of comes your way or, or that you're taking on in your life so just wanted to sort of put that out there so last question I have um, if you could give our listeners three important lessons from your journey I mean if somebody listens back to this there's a ton of them uh, you know there's a ton of lessons that you can pull out of it but if you give people three important lessons that could help them with whatever they're going through to move forward and to get started on whatever it is that they've maybe been holding back what would you say your three important lessons would be Ooh, the first lesson I would say is, I think when I was younger, I felt like I, um, I was on this timeline <laughs> where at this age, I have to have this, and at this age, I have to have this, and at this age, I have to have this. And so the first wisdom, I would say, stop looking at timelines. Stop looking at your age. Stop looking at, you know, not saying none of that is important, 
but look at who you are and who you want to be. And if internally you are not there, you must work on you first. Doesn't matter how long it takes, I don't care if it takes a million years, work on you first. Because here's the amazing thing, Brian, that I realized is that no matter what age you are, everything that you were meant to have is going to come at you at the perfect and best time. And that no matter what you acquire, you will not get the things that you deeply desire if you are not emotionally and mentally prepared to receive and maintain them. So it does not matter what the timeline is if you have not worked on yourself in order to allow the things that you want in. So that's the first thing I would say, work on your inner self first, period. The second thing I would say is, you know, ask your heart what it wants. Don't ask your friends what they think. Don't ask your family what you should do. Ask your heart, get in a silent, quiet place and take those deep breaths that you need to take and really be really real and ask your heart what it wants and, and allow it to just come up. I don't care how bizarre it sounds. I don't care if you're like, my heart wants to move to Bali and live on a beach and yet I'm, I'm a stock trader. How is that going to happen? I don't care what it is, right? I don't care how, how bizarre it sounds to you or how off, off in the, in the, left field it sounds ask your heart what it wants and then allow yourself to kind of meditate on that and say wow that came out of me maybe I should start focusing on this what is it going to take to get me there because the moment that you ask your heart what it wants you can't ignore the answer no matter how hard you try you can't ignore the answer and so things are going to be divinely put in front of you to start taking yourself on that path so that's the second thing I would say first of all do the internal work Secondly, ask your heart what it really wants. And the third lesson I would say is just, just be yourself. Don't allow anything else to make you feel unworthy. You, you were brought into this world as a worthy, full being. And when society got a hold of you, it starts snatching. all. It's like taking off the skin off your face. It just starts to snatch all the goodness out of you. But you were born in goodness. So... The only job you have now, depending on your age, is to go back to that, to go back to that space where you were pure energy, where you were good enough. And so allow yourself to go back to that space and know that you are worthy, know that you're good enough, no matter where you are, no matter what you look like, no matter what you have, stay in that space. And if you're mentally and emotionally in that space, everything that you want will attract to you like a magnet. No, Solid three. Uh, the second one, obviously I, I definitely agree with, cause I think that that's something, you know, that's helped me. And, and I'm sure it can help a lot of people is listening to your heart. I mean, this podcast wouldn't exist if I didn't do that, because for me, I, like I said quickly earlier on, I was in sales for most of my life. I thought I was going to be in sales for my entire life. And that was all I was ever going to do was be a salesman. And it was starting an article series around this idea and, and really learning about a few people that were close to me, their stories and everything, and then writing them into an article. Then I was like, wait, you know, this is a little more 
difficult, you know, to, to put it into words and so many words and, and everything like that. So I was like, let me put it into a podcast. And, and, you know, I've said it before, like, this is something in my life that brings me a ton of joy and just makes me feel full. You know, obviously having my daughter here and, and my wife and that all does too, but this is something for me just as Brian, that, that definitely just makes me feel really good. And the more stories I, I get to share like yours and, and the other people that have been on, the, the more I just continue to see it. So 1000%, you know, definitely get in connection with that, your heart and figure out, you know, what, what that, that thing is and, and what it looks like and then figure out how to get there. So thousand percent you know like all three of them but that one definitely hits home with me lastly um i just want to give you an opportunity you came on today you shared very openly with with uh with me and our listeners which i appreciate so i just want to give you an opportunity to sort of promote whatever it is that you want to promote whether it's your coaching whether it's something yet coming up whatever it is that you want to promote the floor is yours go ahead Absolutely. Well, thank you, Brian. Um, I'm a women's empowerment coach. Of course, I do one-on-one coaching for my 90-day program, Clarity, Confidence, Courage, Step Into Your Power and Love Your Life for Women. I also have on my website, um, www.cccwomensempowerment.com, tons of free resources and uh, a blog site. And I definitely have a few more things coming up. I have a journal challenge coming up in uh, December. And so definitely get on my website, get on my newsletter, and just take an opportunity of a lot of the free resources that I have and just get to know me better. No, awesome. And then in terms of social media is the best place to find you uh, on your website? Or is there certain social media that you spend more time on? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook. I have a private women's group um, called Clarity, Confidence, Courage. I am also on Instagram as Tiffany J. Fambro. And definitely, and I'm also on LinkedIn. And definitely, if you go on my website, you're going to see all of my handles to all of my social media. Awesome. Cool. So I just want to, I always ask that because I just want to know like what to put in the show notes because I've had people where like, uh, I don't really spend time on social, just Twitter. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'll put your Twitter there. That's cool. But I just want to make sure I have all the information to put in and, and also for people to find you, obviously. So um, again, Tiffany, um, thank you for coming on today. Uh, you know, it continues to amaze me sort of how much people are opening up. And, you know, obviously we don't know each other. You, like I said, you signed up through a newsletter, but I'm just glad that you were willing to, to open up today and, and share as like you did, because I think that your story is relatable for a lot of people. And so a, a lot of listeners are going to be able to listen back to this and find some area of their life that relates. And this might help them sort of get past it, get over it and, and move forward. So again, uh, appreciate uh, your time a ton and, and thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Brian. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.